thank you to our three sponsors for supporting our podcast. John Russell's Art Caterers and Milltown Pies, who offer fantastic catering services. Alexander Grace Law, who provide modern and client-led legal services. And SBE Furnishings, who offer high-quality furnishings and electrical items at fantastic prices. So we move on from that semi-final, you know, then we build up. And what were your thoughts about you know we're obviously in the final now and the draw will have been made not long after that we realize we're at home you're obviously desperate to play in the final at that stage obviously can you remember much about the games leading up to it um no i can't I, I, so we, we i think we played east Lancs the day before the final is that right east Lancs away uh, and i think i think we won there i, I remember that game um, and the team was already selected and i think your brother was quite good with me, Matt. Um, I think he, he he told me not long after the semi-final that I was going to be playing in the final no matter what. So that sort of relaxed me a lot, made things easier running up to the final. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's good. And looking, you got a 29 and a 28 on the build-up to it and then you're 16 at East Lank. So then let's just have a little chat about the final and what was going on, you know, mm. then for yourself. Yeah. Going through your mind when you're seeing this, you know, the tents being erected and and Frank, yeah. you know, like a, a frog on speed and absolutely like an idiot. What's your <laughs> memories around that? Well, when you when you when you think about the 2004 Where's the Cup final, the build up, you like you just said, you automatically think about Frank and the build up to it. He was fantastic, wasn't he, organising yeah. that? Uh, and as were the rest of the volunteers, absolutely. But what an experience, you know, nobody. You know, nobody in the league had seen anything like that. Never mind Law Ice fans. Uh, that many people watching an amateur game. But one of my funniest memories of that game is actually way before the start of the game. I think we'd been for a team breakfast that morning, and I think we got to the ground very early, probably half past ten, quarter to eleven, far too. Early. And Ray Clegg was at the ground already, absolutely spanned. We had didgeridoo playing this didgeridoo randomly. Yeah. In front of the changing rooms, absolutely spanned. Looked like he was ready for bed, and this is half past ten in the morning. So that I don't know why, I don't know where I'm going with this, but that is just one of the things that I will never forget. And I just think how bizarre. I mean, where's he? I know where he's got the didgeridoo from, but what's he doing with it? Yeah, and I do think Ben, if looking back, you're right. We were all there far too early, and with far too much, we burnt far too much energy before it. But I think Ray was was uh, had maybe smoked something that had got him into <laughs> got, got himself into, and then to drink strong lager throughout the afternoon. But, that your policeman intuition, that Jez, that makes you think yeah, that. Or? Yeah, we just a gut feeling, really. Stunning, you know, a bit of smell, eyes spinning. You know what it's like. <laughs> But yeah, I do remember that then. So what were your thoughts? So we're going out there batting first. We've won the toss. Yeah. Do you remember it vividly or is it something that... Uh... Yeah. No, no, I, I remember it quite well, really, the first innings. Um, I remember I was stood at mid-off uh, and I don't think you I don't think you were bowling, Jez. Did you come on first change? Uh, second change. Second change. Right. So I, it must have... Yeah, it must have been uh, Sid or Peter who were bowling and I was stood at mid-off. Either Mick Ingham or Barry Knowles has hit one to my left and I've slid and I've dived and stopped this ball and, and, I, and it still stays with me to this day. I remember the roar and the noise going up when I stopped that ball. It was if This was very early on and then yeah. when I heard that noise, I thought, wow, you know, this is this is serious and what, what a big day this is going to be. Yeah, and it, you're right what you say there because Barry Knowles were on fire. He was really... And I do think I was actually bowling then, Ben, because 
Sid only both three overs, and I came, I came on yeah. quite early. And I do remember, yeah. that, you know, you'd see, I can remember, you know, relaxing you a little bit. You stood up and you used to talk, you used to walk on your toes and take yeah. the carpets under your arm. And that's it, you know, <laughs> Ben's in the game now. We, we, we've yeah. got and then so you know it progresses from there. You know they've their professionals been uh, been got out with one of the best balls that's ever been bowled. Ian and Knowles come in together. What what were your memories of that partnership? It was carnage, weren't it? it was absolute carnage, yeah. um, and you could sense our heads starting to drop a little bit naturally, uh, and the game was getting away from us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it here. They put they put ninety on. But I do remember it was in no time, and yeah, yeah, it was you know when that run out happened that it all of a sudden right now we're back in into a normal game here, you know. And I, I mean, it's still got two, three, one, which again is is probably you know you can add a, probably another twenty percent onto that for for today's game. But that is yeah. still gettable, you know. We'd still be comfortable getting that. But if well, they... you say you said there's one thing I do remember, Jez. Sorry to put in there, and I'm I'm not jumping the gun, but talking about the total two, three, one. There's another thing that I'll never forget about that day. Uh, and I think the Aslinden chairman uh, had had quite a bit to say earlier on. Um, but I do remember at half-time him waiting for us as we're walking off. And he made a point uh, of telling us that at the time, nobody had chased more than 200 in a final. Yeah. Uh, so I always remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think Matt mentioned that, didn't he, when, he, when we had Matt on? He did. Yeah. You mentioned that. I know, you know, something that you know, Black Ledger mentioned. But my thought... quite a bit in the in the newspaper, I think, beforehand, didn't they? When, um, if I remember rightly, in the in the sort of newspaper preview, because we'd done the Watford do song and everything, haven't we? We'd had a uh, we'd had a bit of fun with it all. Um, and I seem to remember him saying um, saying, "Well, they're having their day in the sun," and it was a bit disparaging in a way. What he what he said. Um, so obviously, it was all man games at the time, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was. I do. I, I distinctly remember that, uh, you know, I, I think I bowled three spells that game and Matt was moving the, the bowling around a little bit. I'm trying to help him out. But I, re, I do remember Knowles and Dearden looking so comfortable. You know, most of ours gone, but these two are looking so comfortable. I'm thinking, you know, they could be pushing late 200s here. I don't know if you've listened to it, Ben, about the story from Jules de Creek about it, he was banished with that horrible man. <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah. Pillage all those poor nuns all those years ago, and it's all because of one of your fingertips. Um, <laughs> but that really brought it back round, you know. They've gone, you know, 142 for two, 156 for six, you know. So that has completely turned it around. Can you remember much about Matt coming to you? Did he give you much notice about asking you to bowl? Because it was certainly shocked to me. So what what was your impression of when uh, when that question was asked of you? Yeah, I don't think there was much notice. Maybe, maybe the over before, over before, and I think you know I listened to Matt's uh, podcast, and I think he just went off a little bit of a hunch yeah. that he needed to try something. Um, so no, not loads of notice, but yeah, no. I, to be honest with you, I wasn't too nervous or anything like that. I, I just thought back back then, I had <laughs> I probably have one style of bowling these days, and that's you know just trundle up with the wicketkeeper stood up. But back then, when I was a little bit younger, when I played in the second. Um, I felt like I'd sort of developed two ways of bowling, really. I, some, you know, some days I'd absolutely charge in and, and think I was quick and you know, opening the ball in the second team with a new ball. Uh, and then other days, uh, Frank or whoever was keeping, they would stand up to the stumps and I'd bowl within myself a little bit and just try and bowl tight. You know, the game was getting away from us, so I just thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try and bowl nice and tight. 
uh, and try and slow the run rate down. Yeah, because I think all your six overs came from the park end as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, which, so, you know, let's just have a little analytical view of that. You know, people who are worried about bowling from that end, you know, who are a lot more experienced than you. And I don't, you know, that's historically. But that's something maybe as a captain and as a leader and players in the future, that it's not doom and gloom. It's not let's all think the world's against us. We've got to bowl into this way and uphill, shortest boundary in the world, I'm going to get smashed. So, you know, that is, you know, it's a significant point, certainly in your career. And Absolutely. Stands out for me. You know, can you remember much about the ball that uh, when Nolsey smashed it back at you? Yeah, yeah, it was probably a juicy half volley, if I'm honest, Jez. Right. Uh, and he's absolutely screamed it back at me. Um, and obviously, being in my youth, then I've managed to get down and, and get a finger on it. Uh, quite a decent hand on it. Yeah. Uh, and deflected it onto the stumps. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it was Steve Deering that smashed it, obviously, because you've run out. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, yeah. you've run out the lad backing up. Uh, but it, it was, was absolutely absolutely nailed on for a ton as well, weren't it? Absolutely, the way he was batting. I think he was on eighty-eight, Barry Norris. Yeah, uh, he was. He was just. He was walking towards the ton. He, he was absolutely. He was stroking about all over the place, weren't he? It was absolutely. That track was flat as a pancake. That's why you know we were always in the game because yeah. it was such a good track that day. We had a decent groundsman back then, though, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. The current one needs to pull his finger out. <laughs> Uh, ben, I was just going to ask you about the, the run-out. Was there any uh, argument about whether you touched it or not? Or... Oh, no, no, no. Again, not to sound pig-headed, but it was a big hand on it. You know, there was no doubt. Mm. And I don't think there was any doubt. It was almost like the old ground knew what had gone on. Um, yeah. And Barry, bless him, I don't think he's ever forgiven me for that. He always mentions <laughs> it every time I see him. But he was yards out. And I'm on, I'm on the deck, knowing what I've done. He's just looking at me. And it just sucked the life out of him. And then a bit of a bizarre celebration after it, if you can remember. The ball sort of bounced back to me, into my hand. And I picked, picked the ball up and absolutely rammed it into the ground. And the crowd went mad. Absolutely fantastic scenes. And it started, I don't know if it's on YouTube, but you can actually go back and watch that. And it's, it's great to watch back. Um, not the best of cameras back then, obviously, but it is fantastic little moment to watch. No, it is without a shadow of a doubt, and, and Stan holds you solely responsible for ridding us of 340 years of debauchery. Um, <laughs> so, so we're back, you know, we're back on track. Steve Dearden, you know, gets out not long after it. McIntosh gets a few runs. And I think we all think, we all believe we're in the game, but the atmosphere was quite different. And I mean, the weather atmosphere, you know, the fans mm. were, were mad keen, but it was, you could tell there was going to be something happen. There was going to be some, yeah. there was going to be some sort of a storm. I must admit, I, I can remember quite a lot about being in the dressing room and Dooch has mentioned before about it being in the dressing room. And I just had a good feeling this, we're going to walk this. You know, I think Vishal was going to do well. He does well in front of crowds. You know, Finch is a quality player and it's a good pitch, as you've said. Pete Fulton was a good pro and could, you know, could get you the runs and work it, you know, if it, even if it was only a 40 or a 60. But then, you know, we found ourselves 18 for two. Can you remember anything? What, what you, Were you told you were batting at six then? Can you remember what was going through your mind? Yeah, I think I, think I was told I was batting at six. Um I don't remember. I don't remember how Finchy got out, but I, I'm, I'm almost. I'm, I remember Steve Dearden taking a one-handed catch. I'm sure it's that game. He took a court and bowled uh, one-handed to either to get rid of Finch or Vishal. Have you got the scorecard? No, that was Finchy. That Finchy, yeah, uh, that was a screamer uh, diving low uh, to the ground to take that. I remember that. 
Um, and Peter, unfortunately, found a nasty habit that season of getting out to sort of average bowling without sounding disrespectful. Um, teams had sussed him out big time by taking the pace off it with, you know, these sort of military medium seam bowlers with a keeper stood up. He really struggled with that. Um, mm. So I remember that. I remember that. And I remember the partnership with Charlie and Blaise quite well. Yeah, I mean, that's a good assessment of, you know, what Peter was like there. And, you know, you've got Blomley there bowling 10 overs, one for 32. You know, and then Blaise has gone out and, I mean, he's got 101 ultimately off 119 balls. But I do remember he paced it. You know, he was early on, he was, you know, just making sure he stuck around. Like I said, the weather was swirling around a little bit. Dearden was bowling well, but bowling in very, very short spells. And I think we're all in, we don't need to do it to death, but that partnership there was, was just unbelievable. The way that they yeah. runs and how they manufacture it around. And can we actually listen to the audio, Jez? Yeah. Um, and when you listen to it and they're reading the scores out, um, and you haven't got the scorecard in front of you. It's actually remarkable when you realise that we won it with over three overs to spare. Because yeah. the, the, because Blaise and Charlie, right at the start of their sort of knocks, weren't scoring freely at all. Um, and, and, and did when you're listening to it, seem, you, you think we're, we're behind the eight ball here. There's not a chance we can actually yeah. catch up and, and, and get to a point where we win it as, as, as we did. And uh, it's interesting when you see the scorecard and you realise that there's actually over three overs left at the point we won. You wouldn't mm. have thought that when you listen to it back. No, I knew. Um, that's, that's the beauty of, I don't want to go off track here, but that's the beauty of cup cricket. It's my, my favourite format. It's, uh, you know, it's proper cricket. Uh, and when you've got sides that need to find five, six, even seven bowlers in some cases, you're always in the game, always in the game. So, you know, that's, that's when you're really tested as a side. If you're, in, in my view anyway, if you're a good cup team, then, then you're a good amateur side all round. And I must admit there, Ben, when you, you mentioned about, and it's not just because we were batting second, I do remember, you know, it's all right in hindsight, that they missed a trick or two. They were just letting Charlie and Blaise work mm. it from... I think the, the, bowl must, the bowl must have been all right very early. I seem to yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah, and they were almost, right, we're going to have a ring field, you know, just have four in the circle and we'll leave everyone out and they can get, you know, four singles and over. And, yeah. and it developed from there, you know, with 13 or 14 overs gone for the first three batters and then Charlie and Blaise do do what they do. So we've got, you know, I'm in the dressing room, Matt is, Bembo, Dooch, and we're watching this unfold. And then I can distinctly remember thinking, this we're not going to finish this because of the weather, you know. <laughs> I was confident we are going to win the game, but I thought the weather's going to do us here, you know, and we've mentioned it on previous podcasts. Fantastic, all credit to the umpires on that particular game. Can you remember yeah. much about that, about the weather, the, the clouds rolling in? and what Yeah, yeah. Were, what, what was going on in your head? Yeah, I can remember the weather coming in and I seem to remember um, a little bit of an incident during the game that stopped play for a little while. I can't remember exactly what, because I was only young, you know, it's a long time ago now, but there was some sort of incident. Dude, you might be able to elaborate was, on Was it a streaker? Subject. Was it not? Um... No, no. That, he, he was there as well, Mark Hargreaves, yeah. He, Mark Hargreaves, yeah. Um, but there was some sort of... Inter- in, in one of the tents, weren't they, Ben, down yeah, the bottom? And I can clearly remember Dasher oh, calling, yeah, yeah. calling all the players over to go down and sort it out. So that was mid-chase as well when the weather was coming in. So that was another uh, distraction. Yeah. not saying I, I wouldn't say that there, there wasn't a distraction in the tents insofar as something had gone on, but I do remember thinking that they'd made a massive deal of it 
yeah. to try and sort of break the break the flow up, if you will. Absolutely. Um, because like you say, they ended up with all the team down there and all sorts of stuff, didn't they? And I remember thinking it's all a bit of a ploy this to yeah. try and just upset the rhythm a little bit. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, that's what was happening. Can you Absolutely. remember who it was, Stanny or not? I think I think Mick Ingham was in front of the tent where it um, where it kicked off. I uh, see being involved yeah i think it was and then and it, like i say it was just something and nothing it was handbags and I, I i don't know what happened after it but they all just went back on the, the field and play carried on didn't they it just seemed a massive overreaction or a ploy really to try and sort of distract from the uh, the run chase that was ongoing i've got a funny thing it was a tent that Rottenstall Cricket Club had got, because I remember Brian Payne telling me something about it, and obviously Rottenstall and Aslinden don't like each other. And like you said, I've no doubt that, that they've tried to, um, you know, to influence the game by doing it. But, you know, c'est la vie, you know, that, that's what happens. So, you know, we're winning this game now. We're going to win it. There's only the weather can spoil it. And I still think, well, we obviously would have won it if we'd have had to come back. Uh, but then Charlie gets out. What, what's going on in your head then? I was really looking forward to it, believe it or not. And uh, Matt Hope, uh, just before that, uh, had come. I think I was due in next, and then I think it was Benbo was due in after me. Uh, and I actually remember him pulling us to one side, yeah, and and asking us what we thought and how we felt about going in next. And I just had absolutely no problem yeah. uh, of going out there. I want, I'd, I'd much rather be out there. I know it's a bit of a cliche these days, but I, I'd much rather be out there than, than sit there watching. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, no. I was desperate to get out there and yeah. great memories looking back, seeing my uh, uncle reach his 100 and hit the winning runs and being out there as his nephew was fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. And then Blaise getting chaired off and I know yeah. you're getting trampled on as you're coming off, probably nicking everyone's lager. Um, <laughs> but yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic memories from all of us. Duke, anything you want to add before we move on 2005? Ben said he wanted. He was looking forward to going out to bat. I wasn't. <laughs> I, to get, I was getting my gear on, and I was thinking, I do not want to go out. I'm quite happy for these lads to see us home. I mean, I don't think we needed many when I got out there. Single figures, surely. I think Bla- I remember Blaise hitting a four. Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple more because I seem to remember him uppercutting Dearden for six, and I'm sure I was out there. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think you, I think you ended up just squeezing a one off. Alan Howarth and then he um, and then Blaise whacked the next one for four then he threw one gone yeah. 14 we needed Ben when you went out 14 uh, yeah. I can uh, I can assure you Ben because of your age and because of your youthfulness and your uncles out there and let, let me, the, we were never going to stop you me Joe Benaduce probably Ben or Brembo Sid I don't know where he would have been and Matt wanted to be. We, we didn't want to go out there at all no matter what, <laughs> how many overs were left and what runs were, were, were required so all great right so we've got the 2004 great success they look at 2005 and you know by your own um, admissions, Ben, you've, you're having a little bit of a meltdown, some might say. You're struggling with where your next run's coming from. You, you don't want to play in the first team. You've had conversations with the first team skipper. And then, you know, just looking through some research that I've done and, and you just about score 350, 350 runs in the next three seasons. You know, a lad of your ability who then goes on to get you know, nearly probably 1,400 runs in the next three. What what went on there in that 2006, 2007, 2008? Yeah, so I started college. Okay. Uh, just about to turn 18. Obviously, I turned 18 in some of it, and you know what that brings with it. 
for, for a lot of lads uh, in the Burnley area. Kind of lost my way a little bit, I think. Uh, and I'd lost a little bit of love for the game as well. Uh, and again, th- th- this is not holding any of, the, any of this uh, against Dooch. Um, this is my doing, no, nobody else's. But I, I do remember the start of the 2000s. And we had a friendly away at Carnf, I think, or somewhere up that way. I might be oh, wrong. Yeah. We had yeah. a friendly. And Stan and Dooch picked me up at the M65 roundabouts. Before we got on the 65, I needed Stan to pull over to let me throw up before we'd even got on the motorway. Um, so this wasn't a very good start. The first pre-season friendly with the first team captain sat in the front seat. I'm in the back. And I'm chucking me gu- <laughs> I'm chucking me guts up before we even got on the 65. Are you the dodgy prawn or something? <laughs> <laughs> so we played this friendly. It's a red hot day. You know how it goes when you're feeling rough, Jez. It's red hot. Um, not a pleasant afternoon. And on the way back, I, I think I'd done all right in that game. A couple of wickets, teams, something like that. And, on, I, and I remember this conversation. On the way back, we started talking about the season and what's to come. Uh, and I remember Duke asking me, what do you think about opening the batting? And I was probably feeling a bit wistful aware at this. You know, I've already thrown my guts up that morning. We had a long day in the uh, uh, spring sun. Been asked to be dropped off at Tim Bobbin as well on your way back. <laughs> <laughs> I was more than likely going out that night emceeing somewhere. I'm not sure if the game was the day after or the week after. But anyway, I did say yes. I said, yeah, I wanted to open the batting. So it mustn't have been the day after. It must have been the week after. Because then at training that week, um, it sort of makes its way out that Barrett is going to open the batting. And I just, I was absolutely, I'm not going to lie, I was absolutely distraught that I wasn't getting to open the batting. And I think I have a sport to do, just sport to stand. Um, and, and they had their own reasons. Like I said earlier, you know, you're the first team captain and you, your job is to pick the team that you think is going to win the game and the batting order and the bowling order. Um, but one of the, sort of answers that I was given was that I didn't seem too convincing that I wanted to do it. So that was a terrible start and I didn't take that well. And I probably did take that out on Dooch. So I do apologise for that, Joe. Um, <laughs> but I'd be apologising to you. Barrett Trepathy opening batting. What well, on earth are going on there? I'm going to be honest, you know, I get on really, you know, me and Vishal grew up together. Yeah. We're in the same year, the same year at school uh, and me and Vishal were inseparable as kids. So I spent a lot of time with Barrett. So regardless of the fact that they played at Burnley, X, Y, and Z, I got on really, really well with them. You know, round at their house, they're round at my house. Um, but if you remember rightly, Vishal and Pankaj had left after 2005. And I felt that I could see what was going to happen in the next couple of seasons. So I could not understand, for the love of me, why Barrett was opening the batting when he probably wasn't going to be around for much longer. That's the way I was looking, rightly or wrongly. Let's not like get carried away. We did it once. <laughs> the first game of the season. Yeah, I mean, you're not. We didn't like stick with it. He did it once. Can I point out, by the, Joe, by the third that, that game, is one time too many, though, isn't it? Come on. Right. Yeah. By the third game of the season, Ben Eaton was opening the batting. <laughs> How did I do? Forty-four. Fucking there you go then. Well, let's see. You can, <laughs> a part, a part of being a decision maker is being able to admit when you're wrong. <laughs> I don't think. Probably cleared that bit up. I don't think Barrett even opened the batting. They were captain at Burnley. I don't remember Barrett excelling with a bat at any point in second team either. Fantastic bowler. But I, I never remember thinking he's going to be a brilliant batsman as well. But so, you know, I'm going to be honest. There was part of me just thinking that we're just trying to keep him sweet here because he's going to leave. Apologise now, Ben. 
Please apologise. Realise you were wrong. So yeah, Jez, terrible start. Um, you know, I occasionally contributed, I think, over 2006 and 2007. Um, but yeah, I found it difficult. And in 2007, uh, a certain John Finch took over the captaincy, I think. 2007, Finch, he did, yeah. We might need another podcast for that year, Jez, but... Yeah, I mean, if you look at that 2006, 2007, 2008 seasons, and I can't recall a great deal about that, so I don't know the Matt Stanick and, you know, we'd, I, I wasn't sure who were captain in 2006 or 2007 or 2008. It was swapping around like I'm, I can't look at any actual captains. It was a case of toss-up. And, yeah. It? Can you remember all about that, Matt? I mean, I... I remember one thing about two. Sorry, Matt, to jump in there. I do remember one thing about two thousand and six. And again, you know, it goes back to his last point about learning and and getting experience. And unfortunately, and this isn't a dig at the uh, current crop of professionals, but unfortunately, these days, you know, we don't get the same quality over. Uh, that's not being disrespectful. But I remember. Um, being stood at mid-off and watching Ryan Harris fall at Chris Cairn and knock his off stump back at Bake Up, mm. seeing that cartwheeling, you know, that that type of thing will never leave me. And then, of course, in the alternative fixture, I think he got a ton down at Law House. You know, what a what an experience for, for a 17, 18-year-old kid yeah. getting to watch that type of thing. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. Um, and we've... Possibly, you know, crack every time we have a, we have one podcast and we're ready to to skip out there. We've another three that come out on back of it because what happened in those three years? I, <laughs> I, I tell you, a couple of observations of mine around that time. <laughs> they sort of lost years, aren't they? In a way, like you say, can't really remember what went on. We we underachieved. I think it's fair to say with, with what we had available to us. Yeah. Um, players wise, um, we underachieved because I think towards the end of that period we had Will Driver for a year and, and some others, didn't we? So we. We had some great cricketers and, and didn't achieve a great deal. But but one thing that, that struck me, and I actually exchanged some messages with Joe Martin about it the other day, was uh, I think to some extent we'd been a bit spoiled with uh, with Macca and Ryan as pros, um, in that they were absolutely exceptional pros. And I think we, we sort of fell into a little bit of a trap of trying to find the perfect pro as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And um, if, if you look, obviously 2007, Ryan did the... Um, the, the, the first five games of the season, but it was all, it was all the first 10 games or whatever it was, but he was only ever going to do um, part season. As he pointed out on his podcast, I think we'd signed John Moss, hadn't we, and it all fell through. Yeah. Um, and we ended up with Aaron O'Brien. Now, if you now have a look at Aaron O'Brien's stats for that year. Seven, that's funny. 2007, Aaron O'Brien. 2007, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, if you look at Aaron O'Brien's stats from that year, they're absolutely phenomenal. In a, a year that it absolutely pissed it down, um, and we, we, I think Rishton, not taking any, anything away from them, but a, a sort of fairly average Rishton side managed to win the league come the end of that year. Uh, Saeed Amwar had an excellent year for them. Um, year after, Brendan Drew, um, we just we were chasing that sort of perfect pro, I think, a little bit in that period as well. Yeah. Uh, and never quite, never quite were able to get to the point where we had a Macca or a, a Ryan. And then, literally... We've mentioned Jason Crazy was signed. I would have signed and he would have been. Um, and then literally we get to 2011 where um, a little bit of the money's run out and, and what have you, and we, we take a different approach. And we end up with Frankie, who's a, a league-winning pro in Texas, Texas to completely new heights. So it's something that's always struck me about that period that I think we lost our focus from finding the next sort of up-and-coming players to chasing that perfect pro, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you agree with what you're saying there. I'm, I would dispute O'Brien's stats were fantastic. 
his bowling stats, Jess. 49 wickets. 49 wickets at about nine and a half and going at 2.4 and over. Phenomenal. He, only, he was only there half a season. I was going to say, he's, he's a con I do remember him just beat, beating the bat constantly, Aaron O'Brien, just beating the bat for fun. Yeah. And, and, and from a batting point of view, he won us a game at Burnley, didn't he? And he struggled with the bat, but it was it was it was the season. Um, I think I can't. I ain't got the lead table in front of me. This time, yeah, we're at twelve games yeah. or something. From, like from no results point of view, it was phenomenal how many no results we had. So his, his bowling stats. And, and the, the, the thing I mentioned to Joe, it's one of those. It's one of life's great mysteries. And I was heavily involved in the committee and things at the time. And I'm not criticising anybody because at no point did anyone sit there and say. We should give this fellow another another go, if you know what I mean. It's are really, when you look at it. And I think we'd all he went, top, he went on to have a, a really, really good limited overs first class yeah, career yeah. as well. He played in all them Big Bash, early early editions at Big Bash. You know, he was like a go, go-to bowler in, them, in the yeah, yeah. T20 in Australia. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I just, it's one of those things when you look back and you... Cause like I say, I, I, I don't remember anyone at any point saying we should re-sign him. And now, if you got a bowler that did that for you, now you think get him re-signed, wouldn't you? And, and Brendan Drew as well. Why, why did we not re-sign him? Could he not come back? Because he no, Brendan seven hundred runs, a couple of tons, and bowled half decent pace. He did. Brendan was a, a slightly different in that he started the season fantastically well. I think we his batting was much better than what we'd expected, and you sit it miles and if you remember, you sit some of the biggest sixes I've ever seen. Uh, but I think he had maybe fifty wickets by. Um, July-ish, and but then finished. I would say finished with fifty-five. So I think he was one that we were thinking of re-signing, but then he just fell away. And then he ended the season at Gloucestershire, did he? Somewhere like that. Yeah. He ended the season playing county cricket, didn't he? And just covering for us at weekends. But uh, no, it's just strange. It's a strange period that because we had so many good players, but we didn't seem to to do anything like we should probably have have done at that time. Send more house to save the house.